Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I believe that today God has given me a word to speak to you. And so we're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks and he closes his sermon before all the people with these words. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, puts them into practice, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And great was its fall. The book of Genesis chapter 3 deals with the beginning of creation. Mankind is in the garden. And the Bible says now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, did God really say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. One last verse, Matthew chapter 4. But he, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Today, I want to speak to you about the God who speaks. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come right now. Speak through me to your people. We want to hear your voice, God. We want to be spoken to by your presence, God. I pray against any other voices of disagreement or distraction that they have no authority here today. But God, that you have sole authority. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the words of God, the word of truth. And I want to speak to you about a problem that I'm seeing in the church, in this generation, So many people are coming into agreement out of ignorance with words that are not of God, but are designed for their downfall. The reality is this, that there right now is an onslaught of lies that are coming against God's children to get them to live under a curse. And many of us have come into agreement unknowingly, unwittingly, out of apathy, with words that do not come from our Savior, but are spoken by snakes, coming from a serpent. Words that have no authority unless you give them authority, unless you come into agreement with them. And my question for you today is, what words have you agreed with in your heart that are not of God? 
What words have you agreed with in your mind and mental patterns that did not come from the words of God? What words have you affirmed with your life that you were never, ever meant to live out? Because right now, the snake has popped its head back up. And it is spitting venom at God's people. It it is weaving lies Just a little bit of truth, but a whole lot of lies throughout society right now. And the Christians need to be armed with the truth to come against the lie of the enemy. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth to combat the lie. There are lies being spoken right now over your identity that don't sound like God's word. I know what God's word sounds like. Those words don't sound like what God would speak over my life. Tell me who I am, who I'm attracted to, what I'm like. That doesn't sound like God's word. There are lies coming right now over your children that wants to tell them what their future is that does not come into alignment with God's word for their future. And I'm seeing people stand up all over America right now, mama bears standing up and standing in front of their children, calling out the wolves in the classroom Because they are picking up the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the word of God. Listen, there are lies that want to come over you, even in the church, that says you will always be this way. You'll always struggle with depression. You'll always feel like you're nothing. You'll always be caught in addiction. It's just who you are. It's just how you were made. It's just what you got into. These are lies that come from the pit of hell that have found their way into the garden, and I'm here to expose them because I know what God's word sounds like. I know what the voice of God sounds like, and so do you. He says, my sheep shall know my voice. We know what the voice of God sounds like. Understand it was the voice of God that created creation. It was the word that made everything. And we see the very first thing in the Bible, the Bible says God said, he spoke, he said, let there be, and then it was good. God spoke, and it was good. God spoke, and it was good, because God's word is good. Because God is good. And I want you to know this truth, God has good for you. God has a good life for you. God has a good future for you. God has a good covering for you. When God speaks, he is going to create good things for you. Think of what God's word formed a garden. This stunning place of God's protection and God's God's providence and, and God's presence all in this paradise. By the way, that's your promise. This paradise is your eternal, your future promise. And maybe even in the present, you've glimpsed this promise. Maybe you've you've sensed it, you've seen it before in a moment of worship where it feels like time has melted away and it's just you and God and you you could stay here forever. That's a glimpse of the garden. Maybe you remember the moment you fell in love and you said, this is the one that God has for me. That's a glimpse of a garden. Maybe you've looked into your child, you remember the first time you looked into your child's eyes and you saw something that you never saw anywhere else on earth. You've seen just a a piece of the garden. But I want you to know that's just like looking through a keyhole into a room beyond. 
You've seen just a glimpse of the promises that God has for you. Just a glimpse of the goodness that God has in store for you. And he does have good things in store for you. And, and you know this in your instinct. You, you, you would even say, I feel like there's got to be more than this. There is. I feel like I was made for more than this. You were. You were. God has created you as an eternal being. He created that garden so that you can have friendship and relationship with him. That is your future promise. That is what we look forward to. This is why Christians should not fear death. It is an opening of the door into the things I've been wanting and waiting for, my eternal promise. God's word is good over you. And he speaks good things over you. But there is a serpent, and this serpent speaks too. And this serpent has its own agenda, it has its own plans, serpent has its own words, and tries to slither in to the garden of God's goodness in your life. Tries to slither in to get you to agree with his words over God's words. To get you to deny God's word and align with his words. Problem with his words is they always bring you into the dirt where he lives. Brings you under the covering of his own curse. Gets you to abdicate your authority and your future. Jesus warns us of this serpent. Jesus says there is a thief that comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But here's the good news. I came. Come on, there's the gospel right there. I came. Not I might come. Not I should come. Not if you're good, I will come. No, I already came that you might have life and have it to the full. God's word produces a good life. And I want you to hear me. God's word produces a good life in, in a progressive revelation. In other words, God will begin to bring goodness into your soul but eventually it's going to move to your spirit, but eventually it's going to move to your body, but eventually it's going to move to your mind, but eventually it's going to move to your home and your children and your marriage and your community. God's goodness grows and grows. The Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the fullness of the sun. I want you to know God has good things for you. But God also wants to equip you for the battle that you will have on planet Earth. Because when you were born into creation, you were born into this conflict. The serpent versus the Savior. God's word versus the words of your enemy. You were born into this conflict. And Jesus warns us about his nature. And Paul tells us this, that we might be prepared, that we might be knowledgeable in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. I want you to know in thousands and thousands of years, the enemy has not updated his playbook. He's using the exact same schemes in the garden that he used on Jesus, that he's using on you. And let me tell you, they don't have to work. Just because they've worked on others, just because they've worked on you before, does not mean his designs, his plans, and his schemes have to gain authority over you. There's a better word. There's an eternal word. There's a word that God has spoken over your life. That the serpent comes to distract from, to demean. 
He wants you really to deny it. You know, it's interesting when that serpent comes into the garden, the first thing he does is attack the word of God. Maybe it's because he knows that the word is the source of all the goodness in that garden. The word is the source of all the power. The word is the source of, of, it's the connection point to God Almighty. It's the word. And we see this eternal conflict set up. Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, of course, the first thing Satan attacks is the Word, who is Christ. He comes against Christ. The Bible says, and you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That's the fulfillment of how this story goes down. Satan comes in, Satan comes in to, to attack the Word of God, and he does it very subtly. He he seeks to demean the word of God. And and he says this to Eve. Did God really say? Did he really say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God say that? Or is there just one tree? You know, what's interesting is the enemy always seeks first to devalue and then get you to deny. Here he is misrepresenting the word of God. With, with, a, with an air of smug pride, it reeks off the words of the page. You can barely read it. It's, it's, it's so, it's so um, I don't know, self-focused. Did God really say, as if God doesn't know what he's doing? Did God really, you can't have any? You can't have any of the trees in the garden? What? That's crazy. That's, that's crazy, man. I, What? The enemy always wants to mock the word of God. We live in a modern society that mocks the word of God. You believe what? You serve? What do you mean serve? Tithe? Oh, come on. You give your money to those shysters? I give my money to very reputable people. You know? Like Netflix. They're really blessing me. They mock. Mocks and belittles as if you're ridiculous for having standards. As if it's, it's, as if it's crazy to have values. As if you're, you're out of your mind to have boundaries. But I want you to know it's God's boundaries that leads to God's blessings. Even when you don't fully understand the boundaries, but you choose to respect the boundaries, God will bring blessings. Even when you don't fully grasp it, understand, no, he's a good father. See, it would be a very poor father that would open the front door of the house and say, kids, go out, go wherever you want, come back whenever you want, do whatever you want, I'll see you in a couple months. That kid would not be blessed. That father would not be good. It is boundaries that creates a good upbringing. It's boundaries that breeds health. So of course that's what the snake comes after. He comes after the source of health in your life. As if restraint is oppression. As if God's standards are something that are overbearing. But he's trying to position God as if God is some wild authoritarian that can't stand you. 
as if he's unloving, as if his rules are preposterous. Pay attention. You'll hear this snake speak every day. He's all over your social media account. He's on your television. He might, he might be in your own family as if God is preposterous. But we who have known God, we who've spent time with him in the garden, we who've been saved by him, we know I've tried life outside the boundaries and have only existed in a curse. But when I come under his hand, I come under his blessing. It's God's boundaries. Bible says this in Proverbs, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will, and you will, and you will see the words of God always lead to life. The words of the enemy always lead to death. You have to choose who you're going to align with. And you have to choose on the macro, that's salvation. But you need to choose on the micro every day. That's sanctification. Every day I need to realign. Every, t- every day I need to re-agree. Every day I need to get checked, encouraged, challenged, convicted. And I need to come back to the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, so that life can continue to grow in my mind and in my body. I need to agree with the Word of God. And I need to resist the Word of the serpent. See, the problem here is Satan can say whatever, he's wa- whatever he wants, but Eve begins to talk back, begins to start a conversation. You need to understand this. You can't debate the devil. See, the devil didn't say, what did God say? If he said that, then we could have a conversation. And some people will come to you and ask that question. That we can work with. No, he was saying, did God really say? See, what he was trying to do was undermine, not gain knowledge. And, and, and so Eve foolishly begins to engage in someone that's not speaking in good faith. He's trying to get her over to his words on his agenda and his plan. Hear me. There are many people, they might even be good people, but they speak with forked tongues that will try and get you to agree with words that will lead to the curse. Those people you must dismiss. The problem is she engaged with She engaged in conversation with the thing that was trying to kill her. Come on, sometimes we do that. We we, we, we justify. We we make room for patterns that are trying to bring our downfall. I know, I know I shouldn't, but come on. Let's just see where this goes. Let's see where this relationship goes. Is he saved? Definitely not. But let's see if maybe he'll watch church online one week. I'll send him the link. Will he open it? I don't know. Let's see where it goes. I'll tell you where it's going to go. It's going to drive you into deception. You think you can't be deceived? If there were just two people on planet Earth, both of them can be deceived. If there was two people in one line, that's it. Two people. So many people are saying like, oh, Christianity has so many rules. If there was only one rule and two people, we would still screw it up. One rule, two people, thousands of trees. (laughs) The Bible even tells us, like God's letting us know, he said, I made tons of trees, all of them good to eat. Oranges, mangoes, I don't know how pomegranates grow, but they were in there. All of them are acceptable, but 
She had to flirt with the one. Isn't this what we do? See how close we can get. This isn't in my sermon, but you know what she says? She even says to the snake, no, no, he said that we can't eat of any of the trees. We can't even touch that one. That might be true, but we don't see God ever say that. Here she's adding to the word of God, seeing how close. I, I don't know if I can touch it or not. I, I don't know. No, it's, what, it's definitive what God said. Don't add to it. Don't take it away. Don't try and get around it. Certainly don't misrepresent it. The snake comes and says, did God say you can't eat any? You added that word. Not God. You're mis- misrepresenting. And hear me, there are some conversations, some relationships that should be closed in your life so that you don't open the door to deception in your home. The Bible says that they're talking back and forth. And then the snake, now he has his chance. And he begins to lie. He starts out with mocking, belittling, devaluing. But here's the progression. Steal, kill, destroy. Now he begins to lie. And he says, come on, you will not surely die. You know what's crazy about that? It's mixed with a little bit of truth. The best lies always have some truth in them. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says to build your life on the rock, not the sand. But sand is just little, little rocks. There's a little bit of truth there, but not enough to hold you when the storms, when the plagues, when 2020 comes. You need a rock, and you need a rock of ages. He says you will, you will not surely die. See, see, that should be true with God, and that is our calling, but it cannot be gained through the words of the snake. Come on, you won't die. Come on, you'll be fine. Sin is pleasurable, and it will last forever. You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat of it, in fact, your eyes will actually be opened, and you'll become like God, not godly, not Christ-like, but like your own God. You don't even need God. What, you don't know what's good? You don't know what's evil? Well, you don't even need God. You can do this on your own. You can save yourself. You can find morality within your own heart. Does this not sound familiar? This snake still speaks. Now, you can do this on your own. You'll be like God, and you'll know good and evil for yourself, and and you'll be in charge of your own life. And and here is where, where the lie gets in from the enemy. And Eve and Adam, they don't know enough to refute this lie. They don't have the convictions or the courage to refute this lie. What even bothers me about this is Eve is here alone. Where's Adam? Where's her partner? Where's the father? Where's the protector? Where's the man that's supposed to kill every snake? Don't you know what being a man is? You kill snakes or you call someone to kill snakes? Where's Adam? She's left to fend for herself. She's left to come up with, 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 uh, withstanding um, words on her own. And instead, she begins to agree. And she begins to ally herself with the snake. And we know the story. The snake says, just eat the fruit. She looks at it. She says, man, it does look good. I want to gain knowledge. I want that experience. I want to go to that place. And, and she takes of the fruit and, that, and she eats. And that's the fall. 
the fall is Adam and Eve allying their words with the snake. But I'm thankful that God spoke again. I'm thankful that the word became flesh and dwelled among his people. I'm thankful that Jesus came as a true and better word. I'm thankful that Jesus stepped into the midst of temptation. We do not have a high priest that cannot empathize with our struggles and our temptations. But Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he went alone into the wilderness, the place where Eve fell. Jesus goes to restore. He walks into this wilderness and he fasts and prays for 40 days and at the end of those 40 days here comes the snake and he says aren't you hungry I've heard this before aren't you hungry here just just turn those stones into bread but see in order for Jesus to do that he was going to have to agree with the word of the snake he was going to have to come into agreement with words that were not the words of God Could God have turned those stones into bread? Absolutely. 100%. Wouldn't even be a difficult thing. He brought water from the rock. He can turn the bread into stones. But hear me, hear me. If he did that, he would give his words over to the enemy. He would give his power over to the enemy. He would come into agreement with the enemy. And so he says, I'm not going to misuse. I'm not going to devalue. I'm not going to misrepresent my own words. And I'm surely not going to do what you're telling me to do. I'm not coming into alignment with that. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus succeeded where Adam and Eve failed. He succeeded where we failed. He overcame that we might overcome. Jesus shows us the way of escape. Jesus shows us how to come against the lie. He says, it is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hear me, the word is your weapon. The word is your weapon. Adam and Eve didn't know enough of the word, but here comes the word in flesh. And he says, this is how you fight the snake. This is how you fight, not feed the flesh. This is how you agree with the word of life. You say, it is is written. Hear me, where the enemy comes and tries to accuse you and tries to bring you into a sunken place, you need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Old Testament. Read the stories. See yourself in the highs and the lows. You need to know the Psalms. Learn how to praise on the peak of the mountain in the low of the valley. You need to know the Proverbs and the wisdom and the strategy on how to be wise in life. You got to read the Gospels and see Jesus jump off the page. Read his parables. Be healed by his words. You got to go to the letters that the Paul the Apostle wrote directly to you. You've got to know the word. It is written. So that when the enemy comes and he tries to sow seeds of fear into your life, tempt you out of your future with God, you can reply, it is written that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and of a sound mind. When the enemy comes and he tries to tempt you into despair and death, you can say it is written that he redeems my life from the pit and he crowns me with his love and glory. When the enemy comes and tries to say you are nothing 
and you are a failure and forever will be a failure, you can say it is written that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That his grace is not without effect. When the enemy wants to come and say it's all over, it's done, I've got you, you can say it is written that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So his praise will always be on my lips. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me for all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, say it with me. It is written. It is written. The word is your weapon of war. Grab the handle of that sword again. Lift it up in the doorway of your homes again. Point it at the words that are coming against you that should be sliced and diced by truth again. It's not too late to start. Let me tell you, it's not too late to start. The number one discipline in your whole life that you need is to read the word daily. If you can't read a chapter, read a paragraph. If you can't read a paragraph, read a verse. But every day you need to get in your mind in your heart and over your life, these three words, it is written. It overcomes the lies of the enemy. It overcomes the authority of the snake. It is written. And hear me. You can sit. And we'll get back up in a minute. It's only when you know the word can you recognize the lie. It's only when you know his voice that you can sense when it's of another spirit. You have to know the word. Then the word will be a lamp unto your feet. It will be a light unto your path. But you got to know the word. I'm thankful that Jesus came and he shows us our response. When Peter pulls Jesus aside, after Jesus is speaking about being crucified on the cross, Peter pulls him aside. Do you remember this? And he says, surely not, Lord. You won't die. Wait a minute. That's a friendly voice. But that's what the snake says. I've heard that before. I heard that in Genesis. I heard that when I was tempted in the wilderness. And now you're Peter, but your voice is someone else. Here's the scary thing. Even in the garden, Snakes get to speak. And there might be some snakes speaking in your life. Maybe they're in your own mind, speaking through your emotions. Maybe they're speaking through your past hurt and pain. A phantom, a ghost from your past that gets to rule and lord and command over your life. He's speaking through Peter, a good man, but he's being used for the authority of the enemy. And so Jesus doesn't entertain it, doesn't conversate with it, he resists it. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're not here to find common ground with things that want to put us in the ground. We are here 
to follow the word of Jesus Christ, to take up our cross every single day, to deny ourselves and fall in line behind the words that will lead us to life. You can understand the voice of a snake by these three qualities. It seeks to diminish the word, it seeks to deny the word, and it seeks to replace the word. Anything in that category fits under the snake, not the Savior. When Adam and Eve allied themselves with that snake, they fell. They ate from the fruit of the tree and they gained knowledge of evil. And they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. Because sin always leads to shame. And then they tried to cover up. And now they're trying to use the environment to to pretend that they are actually not in the state that they're in. I could preach a whole sermon on the cover-up. Trying to cover up and pretend everything's okay. Then they start hiding from the presence of God in the trees, amongst the trees, and the Spirit of God begins to walk, and thank you, Jesus, that his voice calls again, where are you, my children? Where are you? And and maybe his voice is calling you today, where are you? Come out of that shame. Come out of the cover-up. Come out of the distance. Come out of the isolation. I'm calling you back to myself. Where are you, my son? Where are you, my daughter? I'm thankful that even when we deny his words, he still continues to speak to us. Where are you? And they said, we're here, Lord. We're here, but, but we're naked. We're shamed. And God says this word. He says, who told you? Wait, wait, wait. Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? I feel like the Spirit of God's asking you that today. Whose voice have you been listening to? Whose words have you put in a place of authority in your mind that you need to take down? Maybe it's peer pressure. Maybe it's the way you grew up, but there are words and patterns that have spoken over you for far too long. And God's saying, who, who have you been conversating with? You sound like the world. You don't sound like you. My son is six years old, and he still has that beautiful innocence on his life. I was telling my dad, my son has never had a bad day in his entire life. He doesn't even know how good his life is. His bad day would be your best day. Go in the pool, get snacks, have a nap. Is that not heaven? He has such a good day. It's such a good life. But I know one day he's going to come to me and say some words that don't sound like words he got from me and don't sound like words he got from you. And I'm going to ask him, who told you that? Who told you that's who you were? Who told you that about your life? Hear me, so many Christians have been conversing with their enemy. And they have been agreeing with words that want to lead to their destruction. But I am here today to give you courage and to give you convictions to know the word of God that will cast down every fear, that will break every chain, that will come against every curse, that will release freedom in your life, that will come after you and find you again. God comes to restore innocence to your life. He can restore purity to your life. He can restore 
uh, freshness and, and, and he can renew your emotions. Hear me. I, I don't care how hard-hearted you've become because of the words in your past. There, is, there are better words that can soften your heart again. Your mind has been seared by the ways of the world. I'm telling you, it can be renewed by the thoughts of God washed in the word. God will come and he'll restore the innocence that you lost through sin. But today you have to, you have to, uh, you have to initiate this process. You have to agree with the word of God and you have to choose to disagree with the words that led you down into this dark path. What I'm speaking about is renouncing renouncing some words that you've accepted over your life. Maybe you've accepted words into a foundational place from your parents or from authorities. They tricked you, and now you're trapped. Maybe you've agreed with an ideology that's led you down a path where you've woken up and you said, oh my goodness, this is anti-Christ, but I'm trapped. Maybe, maybe there are some words that were spoken by a friend or, or, or by someone when you were a child, and, and you, you don't even think about them anymore. They're that deep in your heart, but you've been trapped by those words. Maybe you spoke some words over you that you know weren't true, and yet they have languished over your life, and you've languished in those words. Today's the day that you can get set free from the trap. Hear me. Maybe there's some words that you've said, some activities you've engaged with in the occult, Today's the day where you can break that spell over your life and you can be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is more powerful than any other spirit in the universe. Today's the day that you release words, um, words of false belief that you've pronounced over yourself. We're going to renounce the words of Satan today. We're going to renounce the ideals of the serpent today, and we're going to receive the word of God, the word of truth, the word that leads to life. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.